welcome to episode 430 of the Overlook Hour. I am your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. Well, well, well. I forgot. It's only been four weeks. Four, five, who who knows? What is time? What does it mean? Nothing other than Russell's wearing his scary hat again. It's Russell John the Fisherman. Yeah, we just got done with an interview and Clark was giving me a look like you're embarrassing me. <laughs> Do something. Your hair is a mess. And I said, Should I put the hat on? He's like, and he nodded. Now, see, that's the thing. It's like, because Russell and I have been doing this for so long, that's a very specific look that I gave him. But he knew he picked up on it. I was like, all right. They look like nice people. Maybe I should put a hat on. Now, uh, going over to Atlanta, Georgia, speaking to a man who has never had a hair issue as long as I've ever known him. <laughs> it's Randy Michael Stat. That's me. What's up? Yeah, it's nice not having any hair by choice by shaving it because, uh, yeah, you don't ever have to worry about it. It's pretty nice. Shut the hell up. You have hair all over your body, just not on your head. That's true. I did think about <laughs> if I ever go swimming somewhere again, I think I'm going to be a uh, t-shirt swimmer type of person oh, now. What? No. no. That's a fat guy thing. Randy, you can't take no, that. No, absolutely. That, yeah, that's stay in your lane, skinny what the boy. Fuck? I, you I can't got, do that. I got back hair, shoulder hair, chest hair, stomach <laughs> hair. Doesn't it's gross. Matter. Yeah, but you, it's no. you probably have a fierce happy trail though. I do, yeah. I mean, it goes all the way up. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Randy, you got, you got, here's, here's the thing. You have two options. Uh-huh. Now, you, now, you have interjected with a third option. We are killing that option. <laughs> yeah, fuck the shirt. You are not wearing a shirt because let me tell you, all right, I'll, I'll entertain that. Here's how that's going to go down. You wearing, you being a hairy individual wearing yeah. a wet t shirt. If you're wearing a white wet t shirt, Fucking forget about it. It's going to be even way grosser looking. I'll get a good, like a, a dark gray or something. Black, maybe even. No, that then, then that's weird. That's pedophile territory. <laughs> it, I don't, that's like, I. that's red flag. That's it's, all I'm saying. No, you're just you're, raising flags all over the place. You're a skinny dude. If you go in there with the shirt, people are going to be like, what's he hiding? Like a third nipple or some Or weird a shit? Nazi tattoo. Oh, yep. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, what are you, the constant gardener, dude? Yeah, you're bald. They're not going to think you're hairy. Master gardener. (laughs) You're not Ray Fines. I don't know. I don't think I have the uh, the proper uh, clothing for anything. I went uh, running this morning in jorts. (laughs) Why do you have jorts in your possession? Jean shorts? I don't know. Just they're just black jeans that are shorts. They're nice. I wear them in the summer. You went running in jean shorts? Hell yeah. Was the I don't 90s? give a fuck, dude. <laughs> Do you have a longboard with you? Yo, with what the- is this, a Richard Linklater film? <laughs> they come with a hacky sack in the pocket? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What do you got to get specific running attire? I just run in what I have, you know? Oh, no, Brandy, no, get get specific running attire. Get, get the running attire. Yes, you got to get the accoutrement, Randy. You need to show get off your, the moose knuckle. Randy, what kind of, oh, God forbid, are you running in vans? <laughs> no, New Balance. Okay, okay, good. What if he had cleats? The shoes I got. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you run in the same shoes you wear for everyday leisure and pleasure? Pretty much, yeah. I have two pairs of New Balance, so I could switch them out, but yeah, it's the ones that I wear mostly every day. Randy. Randy, separation of church and state, okay? You've got to keep these things separated. Now, 
occasionally I will, we- I will wear my, <laughs> my running shoe to work because I'm getting my steps in at work now. I'll take, I'll take an hour and I'll just walk around the, the hell the yeah. You know, it's a nice, it was a beautiful area. I got that nice trail over there. I'm crushing that trail, dude. <laughs> so, you know, get your steps in, but set, you know, cause Randy, you know, let's pick up this person, personable fashion. You know what I mean? Get you some nice sneakers. Sure. <laughs> you want to know where I'm at with shoes? I need, right I need a pair desperately. And uh, no more boots. I have Timberlands. Yeah, you wear Nazi stompers. Yeah, you, I, for real. Yeah, well, you got to stomp them. Anyway, I have Timberlands that are like pristine. I never wear them. And then I have a pair of shoes for cruise boots that shoes ran for cruise. They ran for like three years, and now they're they're you know, there's little holes, a little uh, ventilation that I didn't ask for. Yeah. And then I have a pair of Under Armour shoes <laughs> that are beyond dead. They're undead at this point, and I, I still wear them all the time. So I've been in the market. And I'm like, I don't know. Everything's got baggage. So here's where I'm at. I was watching a Corridor Crew video, and they had a sponsor, <laughs> a Vessi. I don't know what the fuck that is, but it's a shoe. And I'm like, maybe, I'm like, maybe I should go with them. That's where I'm at. I'm looking at YouTube videos in in camera sponsor. I'm thinking about that. Can I tell you, I'm I'm proud of you for doing that. Why? Because I think this is showing evolution <laughs> in your caveman brain. Because what? you're not going straight to shoes for crew. Oh no, I got to get another pair of those. No, I'm just see. I think <laughs> no. Why? You're doing your research. Oh, this is I don't these know. are big steps for you. I'm letting propaganda play a part. No, no, it's research. People are shilling Peer a product. Guided research. Okay. I'll tell I'll tell my mom that and everybody who asks like what are those I'm like uh, Vessi I think I don't know Vessi I, right it's not like, a good name no but it rhymes with Nessie okay who's a cryptid which you love <laughs> that's true see we complete each other <laughs> now Randy to go back on that we got to close the book on this shirt controversy okay yeah all right to say then I I had to come back to this to say Randy celebrate your body friend. Sure. I, I will tie that up. I know. Shouldn't have laughed immediately I got a spit after take. saying that. <laughs> Thank you so much. I got a spit take. Yeah, Randy, it's you're going to Streisand affect your body, dude. If you, a skinny, good looking guy, get into a pool with a shirt on, people are going to get creeped out. Also, <laughs> Randy, I assure you, there's some, there's, there's ladies out there and men out there. Yeah. Little, little twink like you, with a little extra <laughs> hair going around. Yeah, you're like a plushie. Ding, 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 baby. That's what yeah, their their dreamboat has docked. That's my end, dude. I need to start hanging out with my shirt off more. That's, dude. There we go. The 360. You're actually one. He probably is hiding tattoos, though. Not of the Nazi variety, but of like the yeah. religious variety. Randy, I just have a black think- flag tattoo on my chest that is covered with hair. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say, how many tattoos are covered in hair? Just one. For okay. now. The the that I mean that to me that is his Nazi tattoo is the black flag tattoo. Yeah. That's the that's the uh that's the shameful tattoo. Nah, they stomp they stomp Nazis, dude. Shoes for crews, they wear them. <laughs> also joining us is Oksana Valerinova Osachi over there in the editing bay. Hi. <laughs> The Vessi shoes uh, are waterproof, so you could go swimming in those too. Oh, what? are they gorgeous? Hell yeah. <laughs> I, if I'm going to go <laughs> swimming in a shoe, it's going to be a croc, okay? I, I bet you would hate crocs. I have a pair. 
Do you? Yeah, they're they're outside in a closet. Of course you do, because they're shoes for crews adjacent. <laughs> no, they're not. Yes, they are. They are slipped. Yes. You go into a kitchen, somebody's wearing Crocs. Really? Oh, yeah, baby. Are they bejeweled? Maybe. Have you seen that? Bejeweled Crocs? My uh, my sister showed me that you can get charms that you put in the Croc ventilation holes. Yeah. yeah. So they have them. Yeah, Crocs. SpongeBob. Crocs Pokemon. are big in, in food service and uh, hospitals. We went to a lake and Oksana's dad gave me his old pair. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then they're tight for walking around on like a rocky, like little shore. And yeah, they're great. Let me ask you a question. Because, you know, we, we all grew up in a similar age and a similar era. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you all Birkenstock people? I don't know. Clogs? Nope. No, definitely not. Bro. <laughs> Birkenstocks were huge no. in the sip, baby. I wore clogs all the time. <laughs> and if, if Birkenstocks, because you would buy them, and the, the sole of the, the shoe is cork, and the cork would wear down, then you just go back to the Birkenstock guy and they would put another cork thing on there and you'd wear that. That's tight. Birkenstock. Lifetime guarantee. <laughs> All right, I'll look into a pair. Maybe that'll be my new thing. No, not dude. Oh, what about wallabies? Did y'all do the no, wallabies? I don't know what a wallaby is. The kangaroo or some God, shit. all these fashion choices y'all had no idea about. Look up the wallaby no, shoe. No, we're not looking up I wallaby. didn't do the wallabies. <laughs> the, if, the sole of the wallaby shoe? Wallaby fat. Really? Yeah. All right, I'm back Wallabies. <laughs> it's kind of like the other shoe brand I like that was animal adjacent, Pumas. They're actually made from Puma. Yes. You know I love a Puma. <laughs> like, too bad they went extinct. Randy, do you know that Puma is just fancy way for saying mountain lion? I did not know. They are one and the same. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, um, we got no TBR this week. I've not been in contact with Thomas. I hope he's doing okay. You said that so uh, duplicitously. I know. I'm worried for Randy, him. also look up if I said that correctly. <laughs> Uh, anyway, as far as, uh, the date, it is Sunday, June 4th. Uh, what time is it? Like, it's like one. 12.48 PM. It's a pretty Pacific day. Standard time. Beautiful weather. The firework, uh, assailants are back. They've been shooting bombs at fucking two in the morning again. Not fun. Actually, one night we were in here and we heard a neighbor come out their, their window and say, grow the fuck up. Or I, there's a little bit of a dispute. What did you think they said, Oksana? She said, go the fuck home. Either one I support. Yeah. <laughs> now, as a, as a juvenile delinquent myself at some point, I, I appreciate hitting golf balls at abandoned buildings and, you know, being a kid. I've done it. But, God damn, it's been two weeks straight every fucking night except for Memorial Day. And, uh... After uh, somebody yelled out their window, we heard another person run out their house, jump in a car, and peel out of here. So I think our neighbors are starting to try and track them down. Hell yeah. I I figured you'd (laughs) be into that. Yeah, because, you know, let me tell you something. (laughs) I white glove this shit. I ain't doing the heavy lifting. (laughs) Waiting for somebody else to to pick up the side. you're the reason it's happening. Because you mentioned that you just yell really loud in your room after a bomb goes off and hits your window. I just yelled, God damn it. Yeah, which would be gold. If I'm a kid fucking with somebody and there's just a dude. I didn't, But I yelled that in my room to I myself. Know, but you know, if they heard that, it's never ending. Yeah, but they didn't hear it. <laughs> we hope. Because the, they're, they're blowing fireworks 
every single day. They have no more. Oh, they have no. Okay, that's a good point. That's the premise. We'll see you next week. (laughs) That's my go-to bit. Randy, uh, are we done? Nothing else on the intro? Nah. I could could do more if you want. Give me a tease. Yeah, what you got? All right, here we go. Did you notice? (laughs) Look to your right. Down. You're colorblind. Oh. I installed colored lights. Yes. I, <laughs> have they been on this whole time? No, I just turned them on. Okay. No, but I, I told Randy, <laughs> I'm like, one, this is probably just going to annoy the fuck out of him. But two, he probably won't even notice because they don't really make an impact. At night when it's darker in here, it does. Oh, though. of course. Yeah. Well, also, we've talked about, and you know I'm a little you know, self-conscious about it. My peripherals are not great. Oh, I thought it was just a color thing. No, my cones and rods are askew. <laughs> That's real, I'm guessing. I don't know. I just made that. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. If we ever do a video thing, we can light ourselves with options. How many options? A lot. So, uh, Oksana, how many colors were they toting? Like 13 million or something. Yeah. Oh, my, that <laughs> spurious. I'm sure they got a couple that you could uh, see, too. But we could scroll through. I see. But see, I got the special <laughs> power. Of what? Of seeing colors that you don't see. No, it's tra- No, you don't. Yes, I do. You do not see dome. I see. I'm sorry. Dome. Dome. It's a Carcosan color. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Wake me up when September ends, dude. What the fuck? Dome. What are you naming? Greek food. <laughs> Fucking grape leaves. Get the fuck out of here. Dome. All right. That sounds like the fucking Safeway version of Doom. I got more. I got more colors for you if you want them. What? What? They're they're fake colors, dude. They're like HP Lovecraft. I turned it off. <laughs> you mean like a fuchsia? Oh my god. Okay. You intro Randy. I'll I'll find a fuchsia for you. No, we're gonna we're gonna take a little trip over there to Atlanta, Georgia, as we are in the early days of the month of June. Randy, give us a quick weather report of uh, what Atlanta. Uh, the climate therein has been uh, in these first few days of June. Uh, sure. Yeah. This morning it was, uh, it was rather nice. I think it was like 65, 70 when I went on a run in jean shorts. Oh my God. And then about two hours ago, it started raining for a little bit and now we're getting the sun again and I think it's about 80. So kind of sporadic, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's good. It's good. Uh, Clark and I were talking before. It's good beer drinking weather. In the uh, beginning of June. So, uh, yeah, I'm here drinking alone via video conference and uh, <laughs> drinking with Clark over there. Hell yeah. Randy, I'm drinking a uh, Mexican Cerveza Pacifico. What you got? Hell yeah. Lagunitas IPA because it's cheap at the local Publix. And you miss your home of Northern California. This is true. But I'll never come uh, back because uh, it's too much money to live there. Confirmed. But then that's why you're over there in Atlanta, Georgia. Randy, uh, what'd you get up to this week? What'd you see? Uh, Yeah, I saw, actually, I haven't watched a ton this week, but I watched something in theaters that we'll talk about later, I'm guessing, based on uh, Russell's Letterboxd account. We have a damn doc with it. It'll be in the title of the show. Yeah. Uh, thank That's you for true. waiting to talk about Boogeyman with me. Hell yeah. Uh, so I did see that, but also 
earlier this week, I found out that one of my, uh, I don't know if I'd say one of my favorites, but a director that has been around forever that I am interested in. He's a, uh, he's a New York guy. He's a, uh, a little bit of a religious Catholic, uh, sort of guy. Running for president. Oh, damn. <laughs> Abel Ferrara has a new film that, uh, apparently played the Venice film festival last year that I had not even heard about until, I don't know, Thursday of this week, uh, called Padre Pio, which is about a priest who is, uh, venerated as a saint. I don't know what venerated means, but, uh, yeah, apparently he's a saint in the Catholic religion and, uh, you gotta keep it venerated. Hell yeah. Second offspring (laughs) reference. Uh, and the titular, uh, Padre Pio is played by Shia LaBeouf. Everyone's favorite. Hit the sound thing. Oh, it's not on. Ah, damn it. (laughs) So yeah, Shia LaBeouf plays uh, this this priest character that was uh, so essentially the movie takes place around after World War One, and uh, it's kind of based on sort of events from his life. But honestly, if you read the Wikipedia page about Padre Pio, uh, the saint, it's much more interesting than this movie, and uh, it gets into a lot more uh, things. But uh, Shia LaBeouf is rather good in the movie, I would say, but there's kind of two things happening in the movie. So like I said, it takes place post world war one and it's, uh, in Italy and Abel Ferrara lives there. So they shoot a lot of stuff like in Italy and there's a lot of like pretty beautiful locations and, uh, kind of like coastal Italy stuff. And, uh, you know, a lot of like very old buildings, um, which a lot of it like, like looks pretty cool. I don't know what they shot it on. Some of it looks like they maybe shot it on like iPhones. Um, but the sets and stuff are, are, uh, pretty nice, but yeah, they are essentially going between Shia LaBeouf's character and also sort of like what's going on in this village in Italy and how, um, it's the first like free election in Italy. So there's kind of like this like political thing going on, but there's also Padre Pio's, uh, storyline, <laughs> uh, going on. And uh, apparently like if you read into it, he is, uh, he was, uh, a person that apparently had stigmata. Um, and there's some sort of like other interesting things. He apparently was believed to it's called by location. Apparently I was reading this in his Wikipedia page. So, uh, Pia was believed by his followers to have the gift of, uh, by location, the ability to be in two places at the same time. Hell yeah which uh, I don't really think the movie really gets into much at all. Oh, um, boo. So yeah, the... Didn't have the budget? Should, probably not, no. It looks like it was shot pretty pretty cheaply. Like I said, some of it looks like it's shot on an iPhone. Some of it looks... Well, yeah, because Abel Ferrara uses all the budget for cocaine. <laughs> it's possible. I think he's Buddhist now. Not that Buddhists can't do cocaine, <laughs> but... Uh, Buddhists can't party, dude? Come possible. on, man. But uh, yeah, like I said, there's kind of like two storylines going on in this movie that like they're both happening at the same time. So I guess like that makes sense. But like it kind of felt like two different movies. Like he really was interested in like what was going on in Italy, like politically at this time. But he's also like interested in like what was going on with this uh, priest, saint or whatever. But 
I don't know. I didn't really feel like it, it meshed very well. Um, I have seen a lot of the later day Abel Ferrara movies. Uh, the one, uh, zeros and ones that he did with Ethan Hawke a couple years ago. Not very good. Uh, Siberia with Willem Dafoe, uh, was okay. I didn't super dig it, but, uh, I think his best sort of like later period movie for me is still Tommaso, which also has Willem Dafoe. Um, but I don't know, like he, uh, just keeps making movies with kind of like big <laughs> stars, you know, and, uh, I'm, I'm kind of here for it. I'll, I'll, I'll watch him. We'll probably not, I don't know. A lot of these guys are getting old, you know, Scorsese's Ferrara's, uh, people like that. So I'm just gonna, you know, keep, keep watching what they're putting out while we, while we have them here. So. Randy, Not quick a, I can't highly recommend it, but uh, if you're, yeah, sort of into Abel Ferrara's thing, uh, maybe give it a shot. How many stars? Two. Three and a half. Two? Two? Yeah. Whoa. Dios mio. What the fuck? Padre so Pio. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> if I gave it higher, I feel like you Scott guys would up. give me shit for just like rating it higher because it's Abel <laughs> Ferrara too, you know? Damn, I he's I don't think he's in his head on this, dude. <laughs> dude, you really like uh, by transpolar. What what was that thing? By what? Into dudes? By location. Bilo, you're really bilocating right now, dude. Hell yeah. I'm always <laughs> in two places at once. Now, Randy, can you please tell us about um proclaimed uh child abuser abuser Asia Argento uh in her role as tall man? <laughs> I think she's in one scene. I think that's it. Does as she, as tall man from Phantasm. Yeah, she have a little orb with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she plays the tall man. What does she yeah, do? I, I really right. want to know. Oh, oh god! I don't know. She's Is just she like a man. One, she's in one scene. I I think she. Is she naked? No, she's not. She, she tall. She's or talking a man? to Shia LaBeouf, uh, the priest, in in one scene, and uh, oh, also another interesting thing. Apparently Shia LaBeouf, when uh, preparing for this movie, converted to Catholicism, and he also refused to do a Italian accent, uh, (laughs) which Abel Ferrara wanted him to do. So it's very, like, weird because I think, so Abel Ferrara's wife, who is Italian, I believe, is in the movie, and there's a lot of Italian actors in the movie. And so when you get to scenes with Shia, it's just him doing, like, his own, his normal voice. I'm an Italian priest. Yeah. He, like, like I said, Mama he's good mia. and like he uh, is believable, but like it doesn't, it feels anachronistic, I guess you would say, because I don't know, the way that he speaks and stuff just kind of feels more like sort of modern and, you know, you don't really like ever believe that it's not Shia LaBeouf. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Should have got Russell Crowe. Play the Shia LaBeouf. Sure. Oh, the Shia LaBeouf. Okay. <laughs> We have a clip of Shia LaBeouf on this board. Yeah, but you're asking me to, like, look that up. Dude, I, I thought you just remembered. <laughs> <laughs> I've not fair. been honing my skills here. I could potentially find it. That's uh, fine. When- <laughs> Next week, we're going to pay off. <laughs> what the hell was the clip? I don't even remember. I don't remember. Oh, my God. I don't you know. Either. I, it's not like I have a good system for naming these things. It's usually the literal quote. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Can't believe you admitted that, dude. All right. I'll, uh, this is a big day. I'll pepper them <laughs> in until we get there. All right, Randy. Uh, so after giving one of your uh, cinema gods two stars, what else do you got for us? Today? Hell yeah. 
Uh, I saw the movie Sanctuary and directed by Zachary Wigan. Um, Wigan? Starring Wigan or oh. Wigon, W-I-G-O-N. Like oh, Chief I Wiggum? I hope it's Wigon. That's <laughs> ominous. Uh, yeah, this movie is starring Christopher Abbott and Margaret Qualley and basically just them two. I think you hear other people oh, uh, yeah. over the phone uh, or in voices. Uh, but yeah, essentially the movie... Uh, Margaret Qualley's character is a dominatrix who is hired by Hal, played by, played by Christopher Abbott. Um, and Hal is essentially... 9,000? Yeah. <laughs> He's a computer. <laughs> and uh, he essentially, he is about to inherit his father's, like, uh company uh he's about to be like the ceo because his father passed away and his father like owns like all these hotels and stuff like this big kind of like hotel sort of baby mo- yeah nepo baby and uh yeah him and uh margaret qualley's character have been doing this sort of uh are in this relationship where he pays her to come over and he sort of like writes scripts for her to enact uh when she gets there and it's very uh yeah it's it's dominatrix based um essentially and they don't really have a physical uh component to it at least in the first scene that we see it's very like hands off and she's uh you know talking down to him and it's all sort of like things that he created and that he uh you know sort of desires and um they get to talking like after they go through one of these scenes and um she kind of she's wearing like a a blonde wig uh, when she first shows up, but she kind of like, after they're done with the first scene that they do, she sort of takes off her wig and they're just like talking. And he's essentially trying to end the relationship that they have because he's about to be the CEO and he thinks that, you know, if potentially someone found out uh, what the CEO of this uh, big like hotel uh, chain company was uh, doing, that it might not be uh, bad you know, optics. Very, very wise. Yes. Very bad optics. Um, so he tries to call it off and Margaret Qualley's character is like, I've been secretly filming our sessions. And, um, if you decide to call this off, then I'm going to leak the footage essentially. Um, <laughs> Got it. Yeah. And, uh, you're not hundred percent sure if she's telling, telling the truth or not. There's sort of a scene where you kind of see her, like they separate for like a second and you see her kind of like thinking or like contemplating something. So you're like, is she making this up? Is she not making this up? Um, and yeah, it kind of just goes sort of back and forth from there. And it is just the two of them, like I said, and it's in a hotel room, uh, you know, this big, very nice hotel suite that, um, Christopher Abbott's character is living in. And, uh, yeah, it's very talky and, uh, rather dug it. Uh, both of them are very good, uh, actors, very good performances in this. And, uh, yeah, I don't really want to say too much else because I don't want to really like give anything away, but, um, it's hard to not think of the movie piercing with Christopher Abbott, which is also like kind of similar vibe also takes place. I think only in a hotel room, um, which I think I like that movie better than this. Uh, not that they're doing the exact same thing or anything, but, uh, I don't know, just kind of hard to like not think of it. Um, considering it's like sort of similar vibe and like the same main actor. Um, but yeah, I, I, I dug this quite a bit as well. Um, saw it at the Plaza. Uh, there's maybe 
eight other people in one of the small theaters. But uh, I don't know. It seemed to be uh, received rather well by uh, everyone in the theater. And um, yeah, I think there's probably some criticisms uh, for it, but I don't know. Overall, I, I dug it. How many stars? Three and a half, baby. Ooh, not bad. Um, That's I, a layman's four. You got me intrigued, Randy. I think that relationship between a dominatrix and a client uh, yeah. shifting into a out of control kind of relationship seems like something a uh, client might end up enjoying or a, a hired person might be doing for enjoy. I well, let's just yeah. ask myself, Randy, how was the relationship with your dominatrix? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's good. We're still, uh, <laughs> we're still going. I'm afraid this will happen if I uh, decide to call it off. So, Oh, she's oh been, God. she's been recording you. Yeah. I she's, got my she's recording us now. By a dominatrix. Yeah. Yeah. Very oh, yeah. nice girl. Would make money off of things that would drive you insane. Like she had a, uh, Oksana, what was it called? Her financial slave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she would text him and be like, give me money. And then he would just yeah, cash app it to her. Yeah. That's the relationship period. Like there's nothing else. What a life. Yeah, I know. How do, how do we do that? Yeah, for real. <laughs> if you have any interest in that, uh, contact us at podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> Come on. You don't know it. <laughs> really? What is it? Overlook uh, podcast. No. At, uh, he knows where they are. He's, he's being cute. He's Always. being a meat cute right now. Meat cute. In cute. Adios cute. <laughs> Randy, Tomato Tommaso. Anything else? Oh, shit. I forgot. Uh, we got a call from the uh, production of the Abel Ferrara film. And uh, yeah. uh, Randy, uh, you know what? I think he's a little bit mad at you. Here, let me patch him in. You're a big dick. Yeah. All right, yeah. They, they hung up. I don't know who that was, but uh, he's pretty angry <laughs> with you, Randy. Got him. Yeah, that was from the uh, this the script reading. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? <yeah. laughs> of uh, Fast Times, everybody. I rem- yes, there was a COVID production where everybody had a hard time with uh, your boy. Chia LaBeef. Rest in peace. We will miss him. I'm sorry if I pissed off Shia LaBeef by not uh, liking his new movie, but I did really enjoy Honey Boy. Go check that one out. <laughs> I didn't see Honey Boy, actually. What about Peanut Butter Falcon? Didn't see that either. I didn't see that one. What about uh, Foot Flavored Lollipop? Foot Flavored Lollipop. Hot Dog Flavored Water. Hot Dog Flavored <laughs> Hell yeah. Water. All Shia LaBeef films. Anything else, Randy? No, sir. This week... Outside, I will say this before I get into my one film, as uh, as the court has seen it fit to uh, let the uh, <laughs> speaker from Mississippi hold session for a second. Um, this was a big week in television, I must say, oh. uh, last Sunday, as um, three monumental series all had their finales. Within three days. And here's what I'm talking about. On, and two, we're back to back on HBO. Succession, series finale. Barry, series finale. Hell yeah. Three days later on Wednesday, Ted Lasso, oh series finale. Barry, obviously, great. Succession, great. I want to talk about Ted Lasso for a second. 
All right, can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> Ted Lasso became one of the biggest pieces of shit I have ever seen. Did he die in the end? It it got so ridiculous. It became, you know what Ted Lasso became? It became a children's show for adults. That's what it became. Because it was just, it was all like social issues that were crowbar- so painfully crowbarred in every week. It was completely, it became so unoriginal. The jokes, everything became pandering very quickly within a season and a half. It became a paradization of itself. Such a hunk of shit. I am so glad it is. Did you say parrot? <laughs> Paratization? It, it, par- it parried itself. Paratization? You forgot about the other big uh, TV thing this week, but I think you haven't seen it. What else ended? It didn't end. Well, maybe. I don't know, but uh, I think you should leave season three is out. Oh, what? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, I also canceled oh, yeah. my Watch the whole thing already. Okay, I'm going to watch it. What is it, like 15 minutes this year? They're all uh, very think, short. Yeah, it's probably like an hour and a half in total. Mm. It's all short. All right. Eight Eps. Well, oh, eight Eps? Yeah. Mike Eps. Mike, eight Eps. Yeah, that didn't work. All right, we're going back to the shop on that one. Okay, Mike Epps, who hope he's doing well. Uh, loved him in The Hangover as <laughs> Black Dog. <laughs> yeah, he played Richard Pryor in something. And really? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't think... I think it, it came and went very quickly. I gotta look that up. Anyway, alright. I wanna talk about a H... Everyone hold your breath here. I, I Very exciting. But an HBO Max original film. Oh, okay. Is everyone fine again? It's just Max. I, I, but it's still HBO. They're still involved in this, aren't they? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's an HBO original now streaming on Max. On Max. What a fucking disgusting world we live <laughs> in now. My God. A former American intelligence specialist was given the longest sentence for the unauthorized release of government information to the media about Russian interference in the 2016 United States elections via an email operation. What this movie is, is what that says in very clunky words. Um, There is no script to this movie. The script of the movie is the recorded document for the entire duration of the runtime of this. Every, the FBI raided this young lady's home. This young lady's name is Reality Winner. Oh, dude, this has to be a chat GPT. That is her name. (laughs) Reality Winner. Yeah, writer's strike. USA. Uh, played by Sydney Sweeney, who is great here. She's great. Also was on the payroll at HBO, so I, I figured it didn't take a whole lot of time, you know, switching her over, uh, you know, with HR stuff. Uh, pretty easy, just bringing, you know, an HBO talent <laughs> to do this uh, movie. Um, the problem I have with the casting is that, you know, Sydney Sweeney, obviously, you know, super talented, uh, you know, incredibly beautiful. I don't buy her as uh, a military intelligence agents uh, or, you know, ex-military. 
um, there's a you know portion of this film you know talking about how much she can bench press now. Uh, Sydney Sweeney may weigh 84 pounds. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, but outside of what she can't control with her, you know, how she looks, um, she's great and, you know, completely believable. But going back to what the movie is, is that when they raided uh, Reality Winner, um, everything was recorded. So this is a transcript of that recording. That is the script of the movie. So that is what the, and um, man, that's fascinating on its own. So, and I know that, you know, uh, how we have built this show, um, you know, with a, a fan base of, of a bunch of found footage heads like ourselves, this sort of uh, scratches that itch a little bit, you know, um, where it is a transcript of an, an actual, um, you know, FBI interrogation um, that we, and and sometimes just to kind of give us a hint of what's going on, um, they'll play the actual recording overlaid with the actors of what they're saying. So, oh no! They, well, it's done. It's tastefully done. I'll say. What's that. the movie that's reminding me of that everybody was saying was a found footage film? It's alien re- related. Uh, Mila Jolovich is in it, and they had the side by side. Oh the, oh, what the fuck was like was Alaska? Called? The fifth. The fifth dimension. Element. The fifth element? The fourth, the fifth, it was Fourth something. kind. Fourth kind. That's it. Yep. Maybe. I hated that goddamn movie. Never I know I might get like flack for that, but I don't give a fuck. That movie sucked. Randy, did you watch it? You seem like you'd no. be a... What the fuck? Oksana, did you watch it? I don't think so. Okay. Well, the fourth kind, Mila Jolovich, she, she's doing a reenactment of a real uh, family who claims to have been... Um, met by aliens and there's a documentary clue crew. And uh, at one point a person levitates on a bed, but they go fucking De Palma and they split right down the middle of the screen and they have the reenactment yeah. against the supposed real footage. Yeah. Dude, it's terrible. It's I shit. hated it. It's stinker. It doesn't work in here either. No, it's different. That's what I'm saying. It's not that it's, yeah. it's, um, I, I like, I like what they did. Um, and, it's it it feels you know to, again to borrow from the parlance of our times it hits different as a movie to where we have this sort of underlying sense of reality um now again i it would be interesting to kind of figure out i mean when you have a protagonist whose name is reality winner and what happened to her happened to her like this I feel like that sort of limits your options as to what you can call this project. <laughs> so it, it's all, it's perfect. It, and it also, I get, you know, again, I have no idea why they came to, you know, the stylistic choice of filming and shooting the movie the way they did and using this as the, you know, using the transcript as the script, but it kind of writes itself in a way, doesn't it? Like this is what really happened. Yeah. That let's use this transcript um, from a a let's be honest a not very interesting story. Okay. Because here's what happened: <laughs> she she pulled a document off a very because she had you know special uh, you know security levels, mm-hmm. and she pulled an article that she shouldn't have pulled, and she printed an article that she shouldn't have printed. And that printed article left the premises. And because it hit a certain security clearance, 
they tracked her every move. And it's interesting because, you know, you know those guys know that and she doesn't know anything and she's playing it super dumb. She is playing it stupid. Yeah. And until finally she, you know, okay, cat's out of the bag. But was it anything important? Well, here's the other part of this movie. Um, they do not go into any time she mentions her search words, what yeah. she looked into, or any specific, um, you know, title name that is blurred out. Okay. So it's retracted. What? Redacted. It's redacted. It's redacted. <laughs> I've just been told. Randy's highly redacted. Here's the thing. Now, in uh, real life, modern, uh, in the world of where the news really wants Trump active, because, you know, the ratings, the, we had that whole scandal where it's like, oh, papers are showing up. And then remember, Biden had a bunch and like Pence had a bunch and it was all this classified shit that they had taken home. And everybody knows like Trump's like a fucking hoarder. Like he, he has like a picture of Kim, him and Kim Jong-un like framed and he wanted to take that home. Yeah. So I, a lot of people have been looking into that kind of nuance and I guess it's not all like 007 or like spy agent shit that they kind of end up classifying a ton of stuff, top secret or like high level clearance. That means nothing. Like it's not an important thing to like the nation's safety. This is about the reelection. Oh, and, it is. and the Russians, but it's probably nothing is what I'm like. I would redact it as a filmmaker to make it kind of interesting or like have some mystique. No, it was about th there possibly being collusion on that. And at that given time, that's why it was, you know, of urgency. Yeah. But I mean, did it actually lead to anything? Like, did anything happen because I, she printed I'm a gonna leave it? Uh, okay. We're going to leave it there. I'm just skeptic because I know well, a this lot is of all this documented shit, as well. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I'm so like cynical when it comes to all this shit now. Yeah. I like stylistically what they did here. Cool. Yeah. It was interesting. I think it fit the narrative uh, perfectly. Well, it'd be a good choice too to redact it, especially if it was kind of a nothing burger. Like, why not? Fucking, I would. Uh, I, I want to pull out Josh Hamilton, uh, who plays Agent Garrick. Garrick, he's great um, in this specifically. Uh, because he he does a very good job of of playing coy and dumb and very awkward at the beginning, uh, but when it's it's showtime, it's showtime. And uh, I thought it was HBO. Thank you. I walked, <laughs> Sorry, I, I spaced out right there. I should have been better. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I asked for that. Uh, man, I yeah, I I think it's I think it's interesting. Um, check out reality also 83 minutes yes yeah don't leave that out because whenever we get into like biopic territory docu shit you know, we always get a little lengthy so yeah but you know we're we're doing a little uh you know mixed media thing yeah we're oh. getting we're getting cute all right and also that, randy i believe this played tiff okay also i've been made aware that in a scene there is a poster for the the band afi so shouts out afi from the <laughs> bay area how were you made aware one of my buddies watched it and he sent it in a text because oh, we've Abel seen Farrar? afi together a long time ago yeah he's like i know you hated my movie but i thought you might <laughs> dig this can't tell you i used to always get afi and uh alien ant farm mixed up <laughs> okay does that offend you randy <laughs> kind of 
Are you one of those Bay Area guys who's like, you know, AFI is not my vibe, but like, I like them. Uh, there's some AFI records I really dig that I would listen to again. Yeah. I haven't listened to like the last like three things that they've done probably or more. AFI or Jawbreaker? Uh, AFI. Interesting. (laughs) I like Jawbreaker. I've seen Jawbreaker, but AFI. I don't even know her. What about uh, the Rose uh, Burn film? Uh, haven't seen it. Big Rose Byrne fan, though. And David Byrne. You got any more? <laughs> it's all I care about. Dude. Hey, how come you never intro me whenever it's my turn to review things? What are you talking about? I just always, like, pick it up and run with it. I don't get, like, a cool, like... Have you ever met you? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, my turn. So, last... You know, there's a thing that happens with me and Clark where whenever we're done recording... Clark um, and I. Clark and I. Uh, it feels like this show's Dude, it takes a lot of effort to make this show. And when we're done, we're fucking tired. So and we don't speak again for a whole week. <laughs> I clock out. I'm like, what am I going to do? I kick my shoes off, my shoes for cruise. And I go downstairs <laughs> and I'm like, now I can relax. I guess I'll watch a movie, which honestly, it is one of the only times I end up watching a movie. And um, last time we recorded, it was on Memorial Day. And I'm like, fuck, what are we going to do, Oksana? We should watch a fucking movie. We should party. Do something American. So, you know, uh, my good friend, uh, William Spataro, who is a special effects artist that I talk about all the time on here, asked him for a recommendation. And he gave me uh, one of the most American type movies ever, an action horror film with zombies in it. And I'm oh like, boy. dude, you're, you're recommending a fucking zombie movie? But you know what? I decided to pull the trigger because it was a Filipino zombie movie. Yeah. Filipino. And <laughs> Ass wang. No, not a vampire movie. It was a zombie movie. And here's the thing. I knew this was going to be probably bad because growing up in the Bay Area, most of my friends are Filipino. And I, I saw an opportunity when I wanted to write more, or like learn more about horror. And I'm like, well, fuck, I'm so close to this culture. Let me try and find some like hidden gems that didn't make it over. And I'll tell you. A lot of Filipino shit is bad. They kind of got that overacting gene that like Japan has. I know a lot of their shit is influenced from like Japan, Japanese TV. And um, it just doesn't hit right. Also, the budgets are a lot lower. The premises are just like, I mean, I've watched a lot and there's not a lot to report back. Except uh, day zero. And Bill told me, hey, man, they're not doing anything new here, but it's, it's good. And I know that seems weird, so I invited one of my uh, my uh, one of my Filipino friends I've known the longest, and I said, "Come over here, so I can talk about this clearly." And the first thing I want to say is that the lead in this movie looks like Vin Diesel mixed with Dave Bautista, and the whole runtime of this movie, we kept calling him Vin Diesel. <laughs> That's very good. And I'll tell you, here's the thing: we were kind of already priming ourselves to like joke at the movie, like, "Okay, this is gonna be dumb." tell you right now the movie is fucking good it's not fantastic but it's good it's the type of movie where if somebody was a little bit interested i'd probably push them into watching it with me because i bought it again we were on amazon prime this is how you can see it you can rent it for 10 or buy it for 15 and i'm like "Mm, let's just buy it this almost never works out for me i'm sure we have a bunch of movies that we will never watch again on amazon prime this definitely will pop back on um 
Now, I didn't read the synopsis before. Let me, here we go. When society breaks down due to a violent outbreak that turns victims into undead monsters, a former elite soldier breaks out of jail to find his family. You heard right. Our altruistic, very Vin Diesel looking, uh, foot taller than everybody else in the Philippines character is in prison. Can I tell you one of my favorite things, one of my favorite tropes? What? Is a person breaking out of prison to go do something else. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love it so much. Well, here's the thing. You're like, well, how am I going to- do it in Mission Impossible. So his family, um, you know, there's a single mom situation going on. She's very mad at her husband, and uh, which is actually a kind of a problem because the dude who plays uh, Vin Diesel, God, I should look up his name because I really liked him, Brandon Vera, he's fucking likable. So when when the wife is kind of got an an adversarial relationship, like it's long distance, she's mad, she's got a kid, and she's like, I need help raising them, and she's fucking kind of mean to him. You can't help but be like, bitch, chill. Like he's a fucking good dude. He hangs out with this goofy character in prison, and um, it's almost like any exploitation women prison movie you've watched, where the prison seems uh, virtually unsecure. Like people just kind of roam around. There are gangs of people. They don't have a shiv. They sneak in fucking full knives <laughs> and they, uh, they jump his mouthy comedic uh, sidekick. But here's the thing. Ben Diesel, is, he's got your back and he fucks people up in this movie. He, he does a German suplex on somebody in a cement floored prison in the Philippines. A rolling suplex? So, uh, no, no. It's a, it's a full German suplex and it's not the only like larger than life move he executes throughout this film. Um, but anyway, the, they put him in solitary and we're just thinking, fuck. So this is what's going to happen. There's a zombie outbreak, but he's locked away in isolation and that's how he doesn't die. Oh, we're wrong. What ends up happening is that the, as the country begins to fall apart, the, the security guards just let him out. They're like, Hey, uh, good luck. You're free. Like they, there's a, there's a, uh, actual legal thing that happens where they're like, Hey, everybody who's locked up, you're all pardoned. Go ahead, uh, try and survive, which I thought was interesting, too. So Vin Diesel teams up with his buddy and they fight their way out of jail. And then they fight their way into a um, uh, I, they don't have a lot of um, uh, like exterior shots of the building that we're hanging out in. So the only word I could think of to describe where his uh, wife and and daughter were living was like a favela. Like it kind of felt like a Brazilian slum where it's a tall building, there's apartments, but in the hallways, a lot of people hang out and like dry their clothes, like indoor in hallways. And I don't know what this production had, but they really took over the whole location. Everything looked set design. Everybody, it felt like they could have went anywhere. Like they had full access to this building. When the zombies came to town, uh, there's full makeup. This building's fully populated it's just fucking good. And it's, it's not only a good like zombie film, which when's the last time anybody said that it's a good action movie. There's a moment where he pulls a dude out of a car through the window, picks him up over his head and throws him, which is both cool and funny because he does look like an American, like an American actor. So he's just straight up like a foot and a half taller than everybody else in this movie. But he's also like a perfect gentle giant. And he's not a comedic relief. So you're just like, dude, just cares, man. dude, he's just good. And you're rooting for him the whole fucking movie. And um, I, I, I don't know. I can't recommend it more. I give it four stars because honestly, I mean, it's not like 
the craft isn't perfect, but for a fucking like, I don't even know if I could call it an indie film. Let me see how much money did they put into this? I'm going to be bummed if it's like a hundred million dollars. Uh, you know what? I don't even see it on here. It feels like an indie film that just crushed. I again, day zero, check that out. Um, now I'm going to move on here. So we're going from Amazon prime Filipino zombie movie to something that both Randy and Clark will hate that I absolutely couldn't have loved more. I uh, love it so much. You know, I'm a defender of the cinema on YouTube and I, I think I'm going to figure out how to make an entry on letterbox because I have to put it on there so I can give it five stars and everybody just knows how fucking good this thing is because that's the kind of weight my review carries. And of course I know what you're thinking. Oh, he's probably talking about that documentary about Doom, the video game. And you're right. I'm talking about myhouse.wad, Inside Doom's Most Terrifying Mod by Power Pack. Now, I know it sounds like I'm speaking in wingdings right now. <laughs> yep. But if you, go, if you go on YouTube and look up myhouse.wad, you will find a documentary that is an hour and 40 minutes long about a mod within the old version of the game Doom. Shout out to Robbie Smith for putting this on my radar. I felt a little late to the party as um, there's 5.4 million views on here. And I, for a little bit of context with me, I love um, video game theory now. We all know when we had Sam Barlow on here, he changed my life. And I love it when people think critically in like a cinematic way about the way that we interact with a video game. And I have next to no experience with Doom. I love it aesthetically. I got it on my Xbox. But I don't, I've never really played it. I played um, like uh, Wolfenstein a little yeah. bit, but back in the day, I wasn't a big FPS shooter guy. So both of these are references in the uh, recent film Blackberry, which I oh, just okay. recently rewatched. So then good. I, well, I hope you watch myhouse.wad, which is, um, so we start here talking a little bit about the Doom community. Doom, uh, it's just been going forever. You may even remember the Rock movie, Doom. Sure. Um, that Top had a five great, for me. Great POV scene in it. I non-ironically like that movie. When The Rock was just a pebble, Russell. <laughs> just a pebble. And, <laughs> uh, you know, parallel to this, like, growing franchise and uh, IP, there's always been the true community online. True, true. Where there is a forum, I believe it's called Doom World. And they would just mod the old game. And at a certain period in time, it became popular to mod your house. So you would take, like, your real house design and then emulate it in Doom Populate it with monsters, put it in a forum, and let people kill monsters in your house. Understood. There's a vernacular that came out of this, like Doom Cute, which instantly reminded me of Randy. Yeah. Which meant Aww. if you took a non-Doom asset, or like a real life, like say you took a VHS tape, and you brought it into the game to kind of add character to your house, that would be a Doom Cute. And these kind of words are things I've never heard of, but are very important when... uh when the, the uh, mod came out called myhouse.wad. Now, .wad, I believe, is the file type of uh, these like customized levels that people make. And it's important in here because somebody made a post and you know they gave a little bit of context like, oh, you know, my friend died and he was a big uh, fan of Doom. So I, I rendered his house and um, I'd really enjoy it if you all played. And now the documentary I'm talking about is a complete, they completely spoil this whole thing. So if you're interested right now, I would say just like skip ahead. I got one more movie to talk about and uh, 
track this down on your own. Don't spoil this for me. Well, here's the thing. You're never going to appreciate it fully. Like I, I won't either either. And this is a full blown, this is instantly going to turn you off. I'm almost, I'm just going to say it and then I'm going to walk it back. It's a, um, full blown kind of ARG. Yeah. And what I mean is that when you go to download this mod, you're given a folder it's kind of like if you torrent a movie, you know, all you want is this fuck. You're like, man, I just want to watch the fucking My expectations. As soon as you started talking about this was, it was an ARG. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's fair. Well, here's the thing. When you download super Mario brothers, that's all you want is the fucking movie. Yet it comes in a little folder and usually there's a readme file and maybe there's a sub file where, you know, if you want to watch it with subtitles in a different language and, sub and um, dub, dude. you know, you just kind of ignore this shit. Well, when you download my house, it also comes with that. And the first file that you would probably click, also, I mean, it's a little bit more complicated. There's a journal involved. There's some pictures. There's a couple text files. And then there's the game file. But it's not a WAD. It's a larger format. And I believe the documentarian who covered it mentions that the folder that you end up downloading and running is bigger than the actual Doom game by like four times. So you get in there in this little two-story house and you play it and you're like, okay, that was that was cool. And the thing is, we uh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. I fucking love this documentary. The thing is, when you beat it, you go into level two of the, the regular game. And I guess this is what normally happens. It just defaults back into the, the game. And when you beat level two, you come back to the house. And it's like, that's weird. Most mods don't do that. And uh, the documentarian, he he understands that maybe everybody watching this doesn't have the... the um, the in-depth, the kind of uh, hours uh, dedicated to Doom that he has or that other people appreciating this mod might have. So he starts to point out little things that are just, they would be uncanny valley for people who enjoy Doom. Like in one part, you go into a garage and you move under a level. And he said, this doesn't seem weird at all. Except if you play Doom, you know that the way it's rendered, it's a 2D plane. So whenever you go up, it's actually projected. So he shows that like if there's a ramp and there's monsters like 10 feet above you, but if you shoot forward into the ramp, you'll hit them because there is no actual 3D, like there's no height value. Yet in this mod, in this little house, you go under a floor and he's like, this is not a doom thing. And this is kind of the first clue that there's a lot more going on here. And, uh, you know, I won't get too deep into this. Honestly, there's no way I could really run through everything going on here. I will just say that this takes a very direct, and I caught this early, so it's not a spoiler. Even if you look at the thumbnail closely, you'd pick it up. But this is a, it takes a little uh, inspiration from House of Leaves here. And you get a 3D, fully realized, immersive, disturbing run-through of a fucking video game. And uh, the treatment, the nuance in the video game gets down to like, uh, he talks about how Doom fans, it became iconic, like the door opening sound. It's just a thing. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, this kind of becomes comfort food. Like when you play a game for a long time and you go back to it, like collecting rings in Sonic the Hedgehog. So maybe a casual person wouldn't notice that they're a little bit different. And there's a lot of that in this game where it's like, uh, that sound is a little weird or that animation's a little bit too clean. And the, oh, dude, my God, that is just the like tip of the iceberg here. This thing is so in depth. It's a fucking hour and 40 lo minute long documentary of a game that I had no appreciation for that I'm 
always thinking about now and I would like to rewatch. So I highly recommend y'all watch it. Um, You're going to start playing Doom? Yeah? I thought about it briefly. <laughs> and here's the thing. Of course. This mod is so complicated that the problem I have with video games, like when I played Red Dead Redemption 2, I talked about it on here. I start to get sad that I can't appreciate the whole thing. Because with film, we're given the whole thing. And you just, you experience it. Yeah. But in a video game, it's completely, uh, honestly, it's more likely that you're going to miss huge parts of it. And I don't like that. Like, I want to, I want to appreciate every, every bit of it, but I also want to appreciate it in a natural way where it unfolded through my experience. And I realize now <laughs> that I'm an adult. You can't can that experience. Yet this documentary does a really close job of that. So he pays good attention. There are moments where he doesn't put any audio in there. So you can kind of experience what it might've felt like to stumble upon things. Yeah. I definitely recommend it. I know I got very long window on there, but I really do love that, that doc. It's myhouse.wad. It'll come up immediately on YouTube. It's blowing up. I think it's been out for three weeks. It's got 5.4 million views and it's not a huge YouTuber that put it up. I think you would hit like 30,000 views on like his most popular and then I mean, I'm happy for him. He put some real fucking dedication into this thing. So, power to you. We do a show on film. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> All right. Well, back to film. Uh, I went to the movie theaters too. And, uh, you know, everybody, dude, the movie theaters were fucking packed. The anticipation yeah. here for Spider Man, uh, the multiverse of madness or whatever it's called, multiverse was of insane. Madness. So, when, you know, you learn who the true ones were. When uh, Oksana and I got together with Terrell and we said, you know what? We're not going to see the popular, easy five-star movie. We're going to fucking The Boogeyman. Which, Hell if you're yeah. a horror fan, Boogeyman is a fucking title with baggage. Because yep. there's not a lot of good movies out there called nope. The Boogeyman. And uh, again, when I was talking to Bill, he did mention a movie from 1980 called The Boogeyman. that He said it was good and gory. I'll have to check that out. I can't vouch for it now. So where I'm living, I remember the franchise of Boogeyman 1, 2, and 3, yep. which Terrell recently rewatched before this movie. God bless. Because he's a glutton for punishment. And uh, Are they connected? No, from what I can tell. So Terrell's doing homework assignments that no well, one asked for. He wanted to get in the mood. And I appreciate it. So he'll be covering that probably on the Blu-ray. But is it even the move? It's not even connected. It's just... Well, the thing is, the Boogeyman is kind of like an urban legend that is uh, kid-centric. And it, it usually or it usually deals with the closet. So if our gay friend wants to watch a movie about the horrors of coming out of the closet, I can't put him down for that. Very nice. Um, <laughs> nice rebound. Here's the thing. This movie uh, was directed by a uh, director that I actually really enjoy, Rob Savage, who did Host Bobby. and Dashcam. Yeah. So uh, I think, as like Clark mentioned earlier, a lot of people appreciate in-world camera cinema here. Well, I think we might have lost a good one <laughs> because he's making a different kind of money now. And uh, Boogeyman. A different kind of money? What, yen? He's getting, well, <laughs> Scrooge McDuck is using a push broom to shovel gold on his lap. That's what I'm saying. A I think push he's, broom to <laughs> shovel gold? Yeah, I'm not happy with it either. <laughs> we just power through this shit. That's it's highly <laughs> ineffective. He's using a net to catch the golden honeybirds from the sky and milk them for their nectar. 
Oh boy. I went a little bit more art house, but then when it doesn't make sense, you have to at least think about it for a I, couple I did get enjoyment of you saying golden honeybird. <laughs> I, I meant hummingbird. Whatever. Boogeyman. Boo. A uh, movie that has been, uh, you know what? Let's start on IMDb. It's my favorite thing to do. Ah, Let me move it up here so Clark can read along his head. Still still reeling from the tragic death of their mother, a teenage girl and her young sister find themselves plagued by a sadistic presence in their house and struggle to get their grieving father to pay attention before it's too late. Um, This movie (laughs) is upper middle class urban horror. I say upper middle class because these people have a different life than we do. What area uh, of the country are we in? I have no anywhere. We're in Haddonfield, Canada. It's Trees. Got, it's got the uh, suburbs. Not a lot of exterior. Mostly we we spend time in a way too roomy house okay. uh, with not enough people living in it. Does it seem, and, seem rural or urban? It seems, oh, I don't know. Do rural um, city, do rural high schools get big? Because they have like a surplus of money, or is that like an urban thing? Because the the it best like a suburb of sorts. Yeah. Okay. Because the best indication I had was that their high school looked modern and gigantic, yeah. but like it felt like they were going for a small town vibe. Could go either way. Um, you know, it kind of felt like the black phone, like a little bit. We get one okay. suburb shot really of an exterior of like a neighborhood, and it, it reminded me of the black phone. So the Cosmo Kramer. Anywhere USA. Kind of. But that's yeah, right. New Orleans, dude. apparently. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mardi Gras. Dude, I don't, I didn't get New Orleans, like, of the vibe. Me neither. Not they, at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause what was the uh, Russell Crowe movie? Oh, I was thinking of Ma. Uh, don't make me drink alone. No, but like when he had the road rage. Um, uh, Unhinged. Yeah. Was that the name? I think like, so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> like that. No quit. Like they, they tried to hide that it was new Orleans. Yeah. As someone who has spent a good portion of their life growing up, going to New Orleans, it was very clear that that was new Orleans. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like you guys could even architecture a hundred percent. It's like, Hey, what's all that culture in the background? Yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, as like, I, I know what highway that is. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I've never been there. I would like to go. Um, so as far as the boogeyman, uh, the the word on the street was that they had to edit this movie because it was too scary. Desmalchia. You know what? Uh, I kind of believe He's it. He's good. Uh, we got a PG-13 deal here. So um, <laughs> while we were going to the movie theater, Terrell kept saying how people were like, oh, you're watching that? I don't know. I would, but it's PG-13 and Spider-Man just came out. <laughs> so we, we kind of had that contrarian high going on where it's like, fuck y'all. I even went there. I bought a Spider-Man uh, popcorn bucket for my dad. Just to be, I almost, I should have posted it and been like, great movie. And then like, you know, swipe and it's boogeyman. Um, right. Would have got him. Would have taught them a fucking lesson. Of who yeah. I it was am. like, well, yeah. When he got his, uh, ID test back and he was expecting Irish and he got, oh, I'm Jamaican. Oh, <laughs> no, he was Norwegian, which he started wearing Viking shirts now. And I don't know how I feel about it. Um, anyway, we went out there, boogeyman edited for, for, scariness it's like don't tell me that here's the thing i jumped a lot during this movie and we're not reinventing the wheel here it's just really well done i think um rob savage kind of proved his directing chops with host that movie i felt like it shouldn't have been good like when you heard oh somebody made a zoom movie and it's like lockdown you're like okay i'll check it out because whatever but then host was good and it's like give that guy some money and i think he can make something then he came out with Dashcam, which was 
fantastic. But guess what? When you put an actual upside down cross in a movie, uh, people tend to get away from it. And again, I'm talking about a MAGA hat, not an actual upside down cross. Thank you so much. I'm talking about a real symbol of uh, villainy. Um, so then he he comes over into here. It's very like it almost feels like lights out. Like it's that kind of vibe. Like there's a little bit of money here. We're giving somebody a chance. Maybe James Wan was on set to give some pointers. And you make a good movie that you don't think will make a huge impact. But the only thing I was there for, I've been jonesing for a paranormal horror movie. Uh, this scratched that itch. The monster was treated very well. Because, uh, you know, you're dealing with the boogeyman. Man, you could fuck that up. This one, we take a little folklore turn. Uh, it seems like they're kind of making up all of the lore. We don't get too much of it. He's not on camera a lot. Uh, there's a lot of uh, character traits that this monster has that we don't fully explore. Is there like a lore expert? Ooh, this movie, you know, honestly. Like a harbinger of sorts? Not really. And the internet doesn't really play a role. What The device that we use here is uh, we're doing the pretty girl mystery thing where something terrible happened, but it feels like a character brought it. Uh, our boy Lester Billings. Also, I kept thinking of you. Yes, Malchia. Lester. I'm like, wait, yeah. this guy's creepy. And his name is Lester because, you know, you <laughs> would think every slasher was named Lester. Like it is. Yeah. Lester Vernon. Lester Vernon. Uh, what was the other one? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Lester Crowley. Lester Crowley. Yeah. No, like, and so his name was Lester Billings. I'm like, oh, my God, it's fucking Clark character. He's fantastic. What does I, he do? Um, he plays a dude who, first off, this movie's PG-13. We open with a ch child dying immediately. Ow. Off camera. COVID? Off camera via closet monster. Oh. But here's the thing. The closet monster uh, has a human voice and the little girl recognizes it as her dad. And it's like, that's a fucking dark. Again, why, why now is there this cultural shift into killing children after I have one? I'm like, <laughs> I know it's not, I'm not so far into it that I can't remember when I used to cheer for this kind of shit. Yeah. But now I'm like, man, I mean, I guess it's cool, but I don't, I don't know if I, <laughs> I'm rooting for it anymore. So immediately, like it felt like, oh, they're not going to die again. I'm literally talking about the opening kill here. So I'm not ruining anything. And we build off that. So it turns out the dude that shows up, Mr. Lester Billings is the dad of the kid. And uh, he mentions that, you know, his firstborn was taken by SIDS and you're like, well, you're lying. Oh. I, I, we saw that. And he's like, my other two died weirdly though. And people think I did it. And the device here is that That's a bad run. The single dad, he um is a therapist. So this guy kind of walks in literally off the street. Chris Messina. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, literally, it's a home invasion of a client variety. Yeah. And he's like, can I see you? I'm here. And uh, what ends up happening is uh, Mr. Lester Billings takes his own life in the house. Oh, no. So we're dealing with a middle class movie about like trauma and anxiety. And, you know, our metaphor here is the boogeyman. And it never gets caught up too much in that. And I do, this movie is, I thought it was really well done. I, uh, Terrell talked me out of a four and a half where originally I was like, this is a four and a half movie. And I only didn't give it a five because it's such well-tread territory. Yeah. But man, he fucking did it up. There's a lot of cool visual bits in here. Again, the monster looks cool. And there's no expert, but we are doing the like, well, who's this guy? Yeah. And you go back to his house and you start learning 
the lore, which kind of has the like pretty girl trope of the more you learn, the more you're fucked yeah. going on. Yeah. You learn that you should learn that at an early age kids. Well, it's, it's very, um, uh, sleep apnea, not, not sleep apnea, sleep paralysis. <laughs> I have both of those. Yeah, me too. And the thing is, you know, it's very like, if you're thinking about it, it comes. Although that is not the folklore in the movie at all. That's what happens to me. So Randy, again, I'm sorry. I'm, I've been thinking about this movie a lot and I'm you're kind good. of scared of what the fuck you're going to say about it. I think you also forgot to mention that the main family, uh, Christmas Cena's wife died. Oh, I did. Yeah, as I didn't well. Know. Yeah. It was that so in the synopsis. Whole, like, I think, I, I think it was. She died know. of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know anything about this movie besides the director, uh, going into it. And I'm just like Friday. I was like, Hey, I'm going to go see uh, the boogeyman because I don't know. Sounds fun. And, uh, I, Honestly, there was a lot of people probably at the theater for Spider-Man, but there was a ton of people uh, in the Boogeyman too. A lot of teens. Also, oh, the weird rad. situation where like a group of teens show up like 45 minutes into the movie and like sit down and you're like not sure. They're probably movie hopping or something, but I honestly liked it quite a bit. Um, oh, like I said, it, It's kind of like well-tread territory. It's not like probably going to be like super memorable, but I really liked the... I don't know. Just like the family dynamic was good. I thought like all the, you know, the main actors in the family uh, were really solid. And the, I really liked the light orb that oh, the yeah. little kid had. Yep. And that shot where she like goes to look underneath the bed and then like the camera kind of like tracks it, then like flips upside down. Uh, that was a really cool visual. I kind of wish there was like a little more cool camera stuff, but um, it was a little darker than I expected for sure. Like I said, I didn't know anything and yeah, they kill a kid in the, first scene. So <laughs> I, I honestly didn't know that it was edited for scariness and it yeah. kind of really felt like it was pretty intentional, uh, PG 13. Like it felt, I don't know, to me, it just felt like you very much like intended it to be just like a PG 13 movie that like probably creepy for, you know, kids, uh, younger of age, but still like works really well for adults too. Yeah. It'd be a good date movie. If you're out there, if you're courting a fine young woman, Bring her to the boogeyman. <laughs> I, you know, here's the thing. I think it was intentionally PG 13, but uh, I, did any of the jumps, like any of that suspense work for you, Randy? I know you're kind of a robot when you go to a movie. Not really. No, I will say that <laughs> the very first jump scare did really scare me, but only because I was getting a little sleepy, like during the <laughs> first like five minutes before that. So yeah. that really woke me up. And then after that, I was like, fine. But yeah, just that first one. God, Randy, you're fucking undead in the theater. We have no emotion. Do we have any Hardy cameo in this? You know, at the end of the movie, um, you know, I sit there. I'm, you know, it's, Marvel has, they've muddied the water in the culture. They've turned sitting into through the credits into a, you're going to miss the nest Easter egg, yeah. right? I, I, they don't hold me hostage. No, they don't. I fucking get it. I do the reverse. I'm worried. My anxiety makes me worry about the people who are in there. I need to be the last one because they need to know that I respect movies more than that. So I yeah. sit there and I try, I'm like, who's the best boy? I don't know. And halfway through I'm pretending. And then by the end I come back because I'm like, well, somebody might ask me a question because every now and then you do catch like a cool yeah, tidbit in there. Sure. Uh, the thing I caught was that they said uh, footage for dash cam and host courtesy of Bloomhouse and, and I'm like, footage? Did they show a part of dash cam in this movie? And, you know, I did just kind of 
go on a long-winded thing about a video game documentary, one of the best uses of a video game in a horror film uh, in Boogeyman here, there's there's a thing, you know, Skinamarink really worked for people who could imagine them being in the situation. And there's a moment that I've thought about a lot where I was like a kid and maybe my parents fell asleep and had a bedtime, but I'm playing a video game in the front room. And uh, I'm an, I have an overactive imagination and I would easily be scared of like dark closets and whatever. And you end up in a situation where you're close to a very bright TV, but you're in an, like a mostly like, like a front room empty and it's all dark everywhere. And they captured a moment like that perfectly where there's like a, yeah. Dude, right? And it's like you have this realization when your brain stops interacting with like the the game that you're like, oh God, I'm in here alone and it's completely dark. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, uh, this little girl is in a horror movie too. But like just capturing those like real life vibes. I don't, dude, Rob Savage is good. I imagine he, his career is only going to be going up from here on. Randy Savage. Ooh. <laughs> I gotta change your last name, Randy. Let's do it. Randy, how many Give stars? Me the papers. Three and a half. Yeah. It's very good. I know. It's solid. Yeah, I saw three and a half and I'm like, oh no. What is that gonna mean? I, I kind of hate Letterboxd being able to see other people's reviews. Honestly, the only effect Randy's review had, like his star rating, was on mine. Where I'm like, I can't do four. That's only half more than Randy. <laughs> and I'm, uh, yeah, but Terrell talked me out of it. All right. Boogeyman. Five stars. Okay. Anything else? We did it. I could, I could do more. I'm, I, don't call my bluff. I can't. No, I'm very you, tired. You already came in here with your, your, your ARGs. Dude, that documentary is so good. It's really good. Yeah. You know, wasn't good. Your serial killer rap. That what? sucked. What rap? Theo, Theo Vaughn. King Vaughn. King Theo. Oh, <laughs> that shit was good, too. That sucked. No, you're... I couldn't last 20 minutes. Well, here's the thing. Like, that documentary is part a Let's Play, too. Because uh, most of the footage is just the game footage and the guy playing it. And, um... Well, I'm into that. Yeah, I... This honestly, it's funny. I think we were like 20 minutes into myhouse.wad, and Oksana's like, Why does this feel like a horror movie? Like, it gets kind of like, Sure, you get kind of scared. You're well, like, Where are we going? Uh, Doom's a scary game, dude. And fucking House of the Leaves is a fucking hell of a book. It actually made me want to kind of reread it. Yeah, it looks like a great paperweight, dude. 700 pages of a paperweight. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got a great show for you on Thursday. Thursday, we wrapped it. It's in the can. Randy's polishing it in the can as we speak. That's all industry terms that I'm sure everyone is very familiar with. Polishing in the can, is that right, Randy? Yeah, that's that's the uh, the term for editing. Polishing the can. <laughs> also, if you want to support our mystery filmmakers, apparently, are we keeping that a mystery? What? We haven't said their name or like what the the guests are coming on. We to typically talk about. try not to do okay. that sometimes. Well, if you want to go in blind because you trust us that much, go to Wake Not the Dead at Indiegogo. Ooh. This will not reveal who they are, but uh, or will it? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was my scary voice. Good. Okay. Uh, you know what else is good? Seeing you cats and kittens next week.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.